Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of this podcast. And I believe that the more we seek God and study his word, the more he'll transform us to become like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with his best looks like. And that's our mission at More To Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by our More To Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at academy.moretobe.com and get access to a library of biblically-based resources and coaching opportunities. We are so grateful for our sisters from around the world who make this podcast possible. And now let's jump into this episode of the More To Be podcast and seek God to equip us to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus every day. On today's episode, I have a special guest, Michelle Van Loon. She is the author of Becoming Sage, Cultivating Meaning, Purpose, and Spirituality in Midlife. So if you are a midlifer, this is going to be a great conversation for you. And if you're not yet there, uh, buckle up. It will be worth making note of. Uh, Michelle uh, came to Christ uh, out of a Jewish heritage, which is, as you know, part of my story as well. Uh, she had spiritual hunger and a storyteller sensibilities that have shaped her faith and her journey and informed her writing. She's actually the author of five books, including If Only, Letting Go of Regret, Moments and Days, How Our Holy Celebrations Shape Our Faith, and Born to Wander, which is forthcoming, Recovering the Value of Our Pilgrim Identity. Michelle is a regular contributor to Christianity Today's women's blog, In Touch Magazine, and is the co-founder of theperennialgen.com, a website for midlife women and men. She's married to Bill, is the mother of three and grandmother of two. Learn about her writing and speaking ministry by visiting her website, michellevanloon.com. Welcome, Michelle, to the podcast. So glad that you're is here. a lot of information about moi. <laughs> I know, and I love it because... You are like, I probably could spend a long time talking with you with the passion for generations and discipleship and that Jewish heritage piece and holy celebrations. Like we probably could talk for a couple of years. That would be awesome. Awesome. Yeah. But at least we get today. At least we get today, which we know is something to be grateful for. So yeah. today uh, we're recording this in the middle of COVID-19, still on social isolation in my parts in the East Coast. How about you? Where are you at? Well, I live in Florida, okay. which is kind of a nutty state. Um, yes. There's many, many elderly people here. There are people wandering around some open beaches, not socially isolating. And but schools are closed. A lot of businesses are closed. So it's, it's probably like everywhere, but the pictures that splashed across the media recently, um, a, a lot of media showed people crammed onto the beaches, strolling and enjoying the wind in the water um, very close together. So it made me a little loopy to see those pictures. And I will not be one of those people. So you, you are hunkering down and staying away from it all. I have to. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And who, who's in your home presently? My husband is here and we are going on, I think week five or six, mm -hmm. but I, I was kind of even before that, I was mostly home because I've got an immune system disorder. So I'm like a walking target for infections just on a normal Tuesday or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I was already kind of alert and trying to be really, really careful. And now I notice everybody's doing some of the things that I've had to do since I was diagnosed four years ago. They're washing their hands mm. and they're washing them again and masking and social distancing and all of that's been kind of a part of my life for a while. So. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. So it, it isn't a shock to your system to be living this out right now so much. It's not a shock, but it's a huge bummer. Um, I'm an extrovert, and this is yeah. <laughs> this is this is hard on that level because any time that I can actually be with people, I'm like, 
yes. Yeah. But yeah. right now it's all screen time as yeah. it is for so many of us. Yeah. That's interesting. We um, just came off of another weekend and we went up to one of our favorite places to be outside. It's a, there's, it's a large lake uh, and we could do fishing and it's not so crowded that you can't be the six to 10, mm -hmm. 20 feet away from people. So we're sitting there and I see a family walk by and I realize it's a family from the farm that we are part of. And like in the past, I probably would have allowed that just them to pass. And I was like, you know, and like, and the whole family turned around and we must have talked for about 20, maybe even 30 minutes. And afterwards I was like, Oh, I am an extrovert in real desperate times. Like, yes. I, yes. I you felt know, so it, alive. <laughs> it's at the beginning of this, there were a lot of people joking and there were memes that were circulating about like, I've, I'm an introvert and I've been training for this my whole life. Right. But no, nobody has. And, yeah. um, it is, it, it's, um, wearing on people. It's a test, yeah. whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. Um, we, we need human mm. contact and I'm grateful. I've got someone in the home with me. Um, yeah. that I still like and as well as love, but um, it's, it's a challenge, I yeah. think, for all of us, and it's not going to be over quick. So no. we're in a marathon. We're in a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. There, one more thought on this, and then we're going to jump into your, I want to jump into your book and your, your topic that we're going to cover today. But as we were driving home yesterday, all realizing like the dynamics of introvert, extrovert, and we're loving each other. There's five of the six of us are home right now. And we're really having a good time. Like we are making memories. We are doing things that we've always wanted to do on a regular basis as mm -hmm. a family. But I have found that we are looping on our conversations. And there's about eight to 10 different topics that we have the same conversation about <laughs> around and around and around. And I said, okay, we will not repeat any one of these like 10 things for the next three days. So everybody has to read a news article, watch a new TV show, find a new podcast, read a new book. Everybody needs to do something new. And we need to talk about that. <laughs> that is actually really good advice for lots of people right yeah. now. Yeah. So just yeah. to get some, keep it fresh, keep our minds fresh it's easy to kind of circle on the same themes and ruts yeah. after a while especially if we're not getting a lot of um outside contact so. yeah it's magnified something that i end up teaching in the uh, life coach training course and that i've also learned through the equine coaching training that i'm going through which is our our brains just have everything recorded and unless our thought life is challenged mm -hmm it will continue in that same pattern, mm -hmm. right? And so we're experiencing looping within our, our little units of who we have contact with right now. But for some people, that's their normal when there's not a lot of outside contact and they only go to church with the same people and interact with the same people or the work environment or the family environment. And kind of to segue into what you're talking about, I feel like that is stunted discipleship at its prime example. Absolutely, absolutely. That, those habits, um, it's wonderful to feel comfortable and feel secure um, and be able to relax and feel like you're being yourself. But um, the thing that keeps us growing is not being comfortable. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of the the things that I've written over the years have to do with challenging that, whether it's um, think looking at the themes of pilgrimage in scripture or asking questions about what makes us grow. Um, I have this book, but really the book is about more than just the midlife kind of crisis and transition. It is about what keeps us growing and there's there's kind of some things that you can expect with every stage of life and growth but 
almost always it's some sort of crisis or challenge mm -hmm. that forces us out of the lazy boy and to get us up and moving and asking questions. And I say that as a person who's watched a lot of Netflix the last few weeks in a lazy boy. But, <laughs> right, right. But it's not my destination, so. No, no. There's so much in this book, I don't even know where you want to start. So I'm just gonna pitch it to you and say, what led you to write Becoming Sage? And, and maybe give us a piece of your backstory that set the foundation for it as well. I can absolutely do that because it, it is my own story. Like most of us that write or speak or wish that we could, um, there's something, there's an inciting incident usually in our own life. Um, I'm, I'm 60 years old now, but when I was in my early 40s, a lot of bad stuff happened. Boom, 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 boom. Um, I had a, a prodigal child. We were going through a big dramatic church kind of crisis that ended up, we ended up relocating. At the end of it, my husband switched jobs. We were launching other of our children from the nest. Um, I became a grandmother. My mom died. So oh. it was kind of a recipe for a lot of loss within a short amount of time. And when I would go to church leaders, and I was working with a lot of different church leaders in some of the other settings I was in, it, it seemed like no one really had much sage advice for me or much counsel other than this is hard keep doing what you've always been doing spiritually and you know just kind of put your head down and gut it out and yes in some ways there's wisdom in that i think the default setting on the way that we approach discipleship in particularly in evangelical circles is we're great with kids. We know how to, you know, kind of do faith formation for kids. Well, I don't know necessarily that we're great at it, but we've mm -hmm. got a lot of resources for that. Um, and we've got resources for new believers, teaching some of those basic practices of prayer and service and Bible study and worship, all of those, those core things. And then by our silence on what comes next and how we go mm -hmm. through the rest of our life, the implication is, so just keep doing this till you die and hopefully you'll get better at it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then you'll be with Jesus. The end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the practices, those basic core spiritual disciplines, they don't, change you know their value in our life doesn't change our practice of them may change actually but um the questions come as we get older that are very different when we're in our early 20s and you know kind of moving through our 20s late teens into early 30s we're thinking about who we're gonna spend our life with um relationships vocation questions you know, what our friendships are going to be like, our relationships with our family of origin, all of that mm. stuff comes to the surface. Those questions become very different as we move through our early 40s and beyond. Um, now we're trying to make sense of lots of different things and the mm. ambitions that drove us when we were younger change shape and we're looking to make meaning. So all of that, my, my own kind of crisis, and I, I guess it's crisis in the general sense. It didn't feel like a crisis at the time. Mm -hmm. Although, um, it, you know, some of the physical changes, which I forgot to put on the list, you know, of perimenopause, oh, and, yeah. you know, all of that, they, I dealt with for the first time true clinical depression on top of all, you know, in part because of those losses, but also my body was 
chemically and physically changing at the same time. And it really felt like um, a big pile on. And um, so I started looking for information and now here I am. Yeah. Well, and as I was saying to you right before we got on, I, this book has made me feel normal because I haven't had anybody explain to me what it feels like to be in your forties and in that, that phase of life. And you know, you described the hormones and for the last like six months, I've been saying, I, there is no difference between my 14 year old and me right now, emotionally. We are, we are up and down and crying and mad and, and you know, I, am I, I'm totally out of whack and feel insane. <laughs> and that goes on for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. just to have somebody say, you're not losing it. Yeah. This is part of that, that period in your life that is a lot like pruning. Yeah. You know, we read in John 15 about pruning and how God prunes to bring fruit, um, to discipline, to reshape. And a, a lot of what happens at midlife for many of us, so for some people have a, a pretty mild experience mm -hmm. of it, but they are, I think, the minority. Yeah. Um, but we also, because there isn't a lot of conversation about this in a lot of Christian circles, people just kind of got it out on their own without yeah. anybody saying, this is actually happening. It's a thing. And God is at work in this, although it feels like loss and discipline and confusion. Yeah. You, you know, some of the things that felt so secure in your faith may feel muddy also yeah. that yeah. this is this is really really normal and it is a sign of growth but it's not fun when you're in the middle of it no no and that that's where i was in reading because i was thinking back like we we moved um five and a half years ago right and so i, I turned 40 that year i had a book mm -hmm. come out that year uh, we lost our, you know, lifestyle for 18 years at a boarding school, new neighborhood, new community. I've launched in the last four years, I've launched two kids from college. I've buried a father-in-law. Like, you know, we've had everything of home ownership on us for the first time. And in it all, my faith has, has wrestled through in the phases that you talk about. I didn't even know I was in a known phase. But I have been disenfranchised with the evangelical church. I've been disillusioned with Bible study. I've been frustrated that um, it just seems like everything is focused on the kids and the youth and looking at the older generation and they're not engaged. We are a small group doesn't exist any longer. Like all of the things that we, I've walked through in the last five years you say is one of the stages. So would you just kind of help our readers understand or our listeners understand what these stages are and, and kind of what to do when you're in this one? <laughs> in this one. And this one is, it is, um, I think when you're in a point of big shift and big crisis, and I think no matter if somebody's listening and they're 27 yeah. and they're like, oh, this is a long way away. Well, in some ways we are all being forced into um, a crisis by what is happening yeah. in not only in America, but in our world. And so being able to recognize um that transition, as I read, I, this is not my original thought. I wish I could take credit for it because I've quoted it for 20 years, but transition is another way of saying grief. So oh. everything that applies in, um, in the grief process is, it is mirrored in what happens in transition. So with that in mind, um, I, again, the, the way smarter people than I and people I I quoting from yeah. a couple of people that did a lot of work around spiritual growth and development in the last generation, um, Fowler and then Hagberg and Gulick, um, mm -hmm. they 
they recognized it the same way that children physically grow and develop. And most of us, particularly if we're moms, we recognize, you know, you, you've got a baby that is working on one set of skills and development. And once they pass that crisis, they're on to the next set of learning. And so we grow throughout our life physically and the, the way that we learn, the way that we engage the world, all of that is kind of a, a basic understanding. Well, they took the, the, those same principles and applied them to spiritual growth and development. And there is a picture. So I, I rephrased and reframed mm-hmm. these stages and also kind of followed them through a familiar character in scripture so that readers would be able to go, oh, Oh yeah, I can see I can see how that would be. I followed through the life of King David through yeah. his life because we've got kind of snapshots of him at every stage of development. So stage 1 is that beginning, God, I believe in you. You know, the faith of a young child, the faith of a new believer. I once was lost and now I'm found. Mm-hmm. Stage 2 kind of grows from that, God, I belong to you. Mm-hmm. that you want to take that that basic raw belief and you start to personalize it and own it and and find your people out there find your find your church your bible study your your mops group you know whoever that yeah. you start to find affiliation and and identity through group belonging and then stage 3 if we get really good at it we turn into worker bees. Stage yep. three, God, I'm working for you. I'm I'm leading a ministry. I'm helping. I I know people. People know me, and that is all very exciting. And there's crises that kind of push us toward that growth, but then at some point in our lives, if we're growing, we hit a wall. God, where are you? I'm alone in the dark that we're disoriented, that we're, we suddenly find ourselves in a new place, perhaps physically, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, my, that, that was my experience as well, uh, definitely spiritually. Um, I wasn't getting the goosebumps from the praise songs anymore. Um, you know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know, where, where, where did the goosebumps go? Um, and, you know, I, I use that as a kind of a picture, but it, it, filled a lot of different areas of my yeah. life. I was depressed. I was grieving. I didn't have language for, yeah. for it. And that disorientation is meant to unhitch us from being a worker bee and finding our identity mm-hmm. only in what we do mm-hmm. um, or who we're with. God mm-hmm. wants something more for us. He designed us. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this to a person who has the word more in their podcast title. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I'm pretty sure you're, you have a buy-in on that thought. Yeah. That there is more for us. But it's not like you can do a 10-week Bible study and then fix it. Nope. There's no fixing it. And Mm-mm. this may go on in our lives for five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I would have known that. Because mm-hmm. that's a different kind of marathon, and I was not um, yeah. prepared for it. I wanted to fix it. I wanted to use the formulas and the the things that worked so well for me as a young believer and a young woman mm-hmm. that didn't necessarily match where I was going. Mm-hmm. So, and then stage five is we're emerging from that darkness we recognize that we're here to be able to create a legacy mm-hmm. that the things that we may have valued building our kingdoms, building our ministries, mm-hmm. grabbing that microphone, being on stage or, or whatever, whatever the thing is, there's always some sort of ambition that drives us when we're young to be known, to be the best nursery worker or the best mm-hmm. bank teller or whatever that thing is that kind of fuels us we shift to um, being able to create meaning and pass on wisdom to people around us to mm. the very 
different and you can't think yourself into it. You kind of have to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit yeah. in the dark. Yeah. And, um, the final stage is kind of a turning our face toward home, mm. you know, and that it means, you know, you're getting rid of a lot of stuff and yeah. um, that it's not such a bad thing. So no, no. I love this. I mean, I'm like, why isn't that taught? Like the minute you become a believer, right? Yes. <laughs> why is this not preached? Why is this not explained? Because mm -hmm. so, so I'm in this, you know, stage four, moving into stage five, and I could see that this is going to be a long road. Uh, and some of the things that the Lord has been doing for me is teaching me about relationship, not outcome, process, mm -hmm. not perfection progress not performance like mm -hmm. like he he is shifting my focus and my priorities at and it's made me question what is more to be all about why did i start this ministry where mm -hmm. is it going you know because where i was a decade ago is totally different than where i am right now and and in some regard i've also been left feeling like man i'm a mess and is it ever gonna get fixed lord we've been at this a while and so reading this i was like oh no no this is exactly where i'm supposed to be and exactly what i'm supposed to be walking through and now i feel like you gave me like permission to to literally just enjoy it mm -hmm. and not yep. have to get out of it mm -hmm. right and so in the beginning of the book you you talk about, and I shared this um, on my Instagram story. I got a bunch of feedback on it. Um, you say it right in the introduction. Where is it? Where is it? Uh, that um, the, the tell, was it the, the teleos? How did you say it? Teleos is how yeah. I pr probably saying it wrong. I can spell it better than I probably pronouncing it. Yeah. So. Explain that to us. Okay. We, we see um, like we're called to be complete. We're called to be mature. Mm -hmm. And we get this as um, a goal or a task in a way. And the way that we talk about discipleship in the church often makes it sound like this is, this is something that we can master and conquer and win. Mm -hmm. That word is a process word. It's not a product word. Yeah. Um, and so we see again and again that our, our, the goal is to become complete, mm -hmm. but that, that goal is the process mm -hmm. that we're being refined. There's lots of language in scripture besides that one word, which you can um, use a concordance and and look up if if you're interested but the the idea of being complete is that god is the one that's doing the completing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um i agree with you i wish that this was taught as part of the package but for lots of reasons it's very easy to focus on things that we feel like we can master which are Here's how to follow Jesus. Here's what you need to know to be a Christian. And so we, we dole out that information in ways that maybe give us control. The other thing I wanted to say is that this isn't automatic. We can stop this process. Mm. It's really uncomfortable being where you are right now, Lisa. And mm -hmm. so, um, I've known people that are in their 60s or 70s or 80s that are actually super immature mm -hmm. um, because they're they're stuck because it's really hard being where you are right now. Mm -hmm. And so we we want to go back and going back never has good results. We can look at the story of the Exodus and there they <laughs> There they are in free from slavery, um, the people of God. And the first thing practically that they wanted to do was to cry to go back because it yeah. was so disorienting and uncomfortable. This is not a, a new thing to us. 
but um, it's very sad to meet somebody who's stuck or who's chosen to stay put yeah. rather than following God, pilgriming with God, even through the dark. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about that, the dark soul of the night and the wall, which I, I list, you know, I read those parts and I was thinking, well, there, Lord, here's some themes because I've read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Leadership by Peter Scazzaro. He talks about the wall. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, another book talking about a wall. Lord, are you trying to say something to me? Mm-hmm. You know? And then I, years ago, I read a book by um, Gerald's sister called A Grace Disguised. Are you familiar Such with that one? Such a good too? book. So, yeah. Such a hard book but such a good book about uh, just for, for people that may not know, he lost um, uh, several family members in an accident. And um, the book kind of details what he's learned about grief and it's not easy reading and he doesn't tie it all up with a nice, neat bow. It is not a book that he could have written from a stage two or three, you know, believe, belong, working for you, all of that got dismantled in the blink of an eye in his life. Um, But by sharing his story and his experience of loss, um, he, he ended up giving us all a classic that was really important for people who are grieving to be able to see they're not crazy. They're not alone this is super, super, super hard. And you don't get to go back yeah. to what was. You shouldn't. It, you, you can't. You've been so. changed. Mm-hmm. I know. In the timing of reading that book, I think without that theology under my belt, I probably would have quit Jesus. I really would have in, in some of the trials that we have been through. But understanding the emotions of grief and sorrow and the kind of the roadmap of perseverance through it. Uh, Oftentimes the Lord would say to me, Lisa, just walk through the dark night and you'll come out the other side. That, that perseverance word, if if there is a word maybe for, for this moment, it, it really is that. And, you know, being able to give people tools so that they understand what perseverance can actually look like. It's otherwise it's this abstract yeah. concept. And um, maybe the perseverance today for somebody listening is um, that they just have to trust God for the next 15 minutes because they yes. can't take one more second and don't even try and trust God for the whole day. Mm-mm. It might be too big. Maybe yeah. even 15 minutes is too big. Yeah. But that's where those those muscles of trust get developed. That's yeah. what teleos looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Years ago, I can't even figure out what it is, but it's at least probably 10, um, roughly. I I'd went through a situation. I've talked about this on the podcast from time to time. And when I speak, I usually include it in my testimony. My father and I had a a horrible falling out and it was around every level of dysfunction you could imagine. And every hurtful word that could have ever been spoken to me came out of his mouth. And we were, we were about two years into the silence. I I was depressed at that point. I was back in counseling. My ministry had stopped. Like it was a bad season. Uh, the, the, our church was falling apart. <laughs> the, the school we were working at had all this conflict. I mean, it was just one of those, considering I was in my you know, mid thirties at the time, it felt like stage four, right? Um, it probably, well, I mean, it's, that's there's the no timetable. Yeah. A bunch yeah. of horrible stuff like that when you're well into your adulthood building years, dismantles everything so and that's the word that dismantled and so I was at a summer camp uh, with my family and we were listening to preaching every day and it was a a famous preacher at the time Um, and he was talking about perseverance and he used a word that he put up on the board called hupomene Mm -hmm. and I painted a sign that week it's hung above our kitchen sink 
mm. ever since Hupomene. And so it's a, it's a daily visual of what life should look like. And he gave this illustration. He said, he brought somebody up on stage and he, and he said, get down on your knees. The, the person got down on his knees and this pastor put pressure on this guy's shoulders, like just forced down his hands on the sh his shoulders. He said to the guy, you know, get out of this. How are you going to get out of this? And, and the guys, you know, wrestling like this, you know, forcing, trying to force the hands off of the shoulders. And, you know, you don't get out when you wrestle like that. It, you just get, you know, your neck twisted. And he said, I want you instead of fighting and I want you to surrender, raise your hands up and surrender. And the guy raised his hands up and the pressure came off. And, and, you know, the pastor's illustration point was this is perseverance. It's when you say, not why God, mm -hmm. you can ask him why it's mm -hmm. a free game, but what do you want to accomplish through me mm -hmm. through this? How do you want to use me in this through this? What, what is your, your purpose? And, you know, I listened to that pastor that morning and I watched the illustration. And up until that point, this was like a Wednesday of the week that we were there. I'm like, I'm not going through a trial. My life is fine. I have a husband. I have children. I have a roof over my head. We're not in debt. Like we're not in any trial. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, <clears throat> that night, it was more like a worship service kind of like, okay, do your business with Jesus now. <clears throat> and we're, we're sitting there and, and the Holy Spirit starts prompting me that what I was going through with my dad was my trial. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a loss. I was, an, I was a, an emotional, spiritual, and literally at the time, physical orphaned child. Yeah. And I, uh, not only that, but with great amount of rejection and shame mm -hmm. that the enemy had just sat with those words and toxified the whole thing. And as the service was coming in and the pastor said, I, I want everybody to leave here without a word because you're, you're to do business with Jesus now. And so the band's going to play and, and you leave. And at this point, I'm just like bawling like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm in, you know, a tank top and shorts with no tissues. Like I was, a, I was a mess. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm like bending over trying to get the end of my shirt to my nose. Like it's bad. And, and my family, you know, my husband's there, my, my mother-in-law, my sister-in-laws. And, and I just left alone and I ran to the very end of the property that I can get to because I just needed to get away from everybody and just got on my face on the sand at the lake before the Lord. And, and he, he said to me, you know, Lisa, will you love me and, and worship me and live for me, even if I never give you what you want? And that, that was the dismantling of my faith. Would I be all in, even if I had nothing that I asked God for? Mm -hmm. And I, I as only my personality would allow, I said, okay, it would, it wasn't even a yes. Mm -hmm. It was an okay. Yeah. And I, I wrote, okay. In the sand, I took a picture of it. It's been in a frame ever since mm -hmm. that I, I said my version of, okay, God, yes. Mm -hmm. And that to me was probably a greater moment of my faith than maybe even the point of my salvation. Mm-hmm. Because at my salvation, I was saying yes to a God who I thought could change everything. And, and my, you know, sanctification was the point in which I was willing to say yes to a God, even if he didn't. We are being saved every day. Yeah. It's not just, we, you know, I'm, I'm guessing I listened to a little bit of a, a couple of your podcasts just to get to know you before yeah. we talk today. And um, we know, and I have a dramatic salvation story to, um, and I don't want to diminish that because yeah. I, I needed to go from, I once was lost to now yes. I'm found. Yes. But being found is not the same as journeying home. And yeah. so learning how to continue 
to surrender in the dark yeah. is um it it's maybe not the thing that we like to sell the christian mm -hmm. faith by you know right. um we have for a couple of generations um put a lot of promises or extracted a lot of promises and ignored the unpleasant part yes. um, that are, it's kind of a little bit of spiritual malpractice. Yes. He said, count the cost, pick up your cross. Yes. There's a lot of language there and we don't have to look very far um, throughout scripture, the whole of scripture to see that, um, our ideas um, have more to do with the American dream than they do with God's dream for us. So, yeah. Oh, so well said. I mean, that, that is it, right? Like this was a, this was a turning point in my life and God used it for me to have me not question my salvation. I mean, I did, I did the podcast with Robin dance and there are times that I worry about my questions, mm -hmm. you know, as a wanderer, I worry about my questions and what does that mean? But I felt like if I could get through that situation, then, then I'll, I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. I'll be okay in my faith. And, and, you know, God was, incredibly gracious two years later. I mean, I always have to tell the best part about stories. Two years later, I had completely and utterly forgiven my father, like mm -hmm. to the point of, of when the scriptures say, pray for your enemies. I was praying that God would bless my dad. And the day after the most sincere ask of the Lord to bless my father, my father emailed me and asked for my forgiveness. Yeah. My Jewish father who does not bend his knee to Jesus asked for forgiveness with no, but he said, I am so sorry for everything I've ever done to you. It was wrong. Would you wow. be willing to forgive me and see me? And I, I immediately was able to reply back. I forgave you two years ago. I already have. That's right. You You're did. already forgiven. Mm -hmm. Yes, you could see me, but there will be boundaries, right? And it it took a year of me and just him before I allowed him to see the kids. Mm -hmm. And and it took, and now, like I said, it's about a decade later. The relationship with my father is one of the greatest gifts of my life. That's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And he he has owned everything. Hmm. apologized profusely and has gone so far to say that who Lisa is and her husband is and her family is, is because of their faith. Praise God. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's amazing. Is fantastic. I still ask, you know, dad, could you please believe in Jesus so we can go to heaven together? And he's like, we'll talk about that later. I'm like, oh, there's well, not a later. He's, he's probably closer than you even know, know because he's been the recipient of great forgiveness that he didn't yeah. deserve. Yeah. And that's conditioned him in a way that all of your good, perfect gospel words never could have. No. So no, it's no. fantastic. Yeah. There's not a day I don't look up at that. Cupomene sign in my kitchen mm -hmm. and see it as the the promise of God's work through and you know as God does he says participate in this with me mm -hmm. he he's doing his thing we are we are able to co-labor with him and that there's really not a truer statement for where we are right now in in this season of life where our lives have been put on a holy pause uh, and some are in the middle of a storm mm -hmm. and, and some are, you know, in the eye of the storm and some are hearing the forecast from afar and mm -hmm. they're just sitting on the beach having a good old, you know, margarita. <laughs> so, <laughs> and not socially distant. 
So yeah, right, 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 right. Well, hopefully they're enough. having their margarita alone, but yeah. <laughs> right. So we're we're all in different places mm-hmm. of this, yet the component of of faith, while the temptations that our faith is being dismantled. Yep. To use your words. Yeah. So what is your um, kind of commissioning going forward for women who find themselves in midlife? Mm-hmm. Or let's just say for people who find themselves in stage four. Well, I, at the beginning of the book, um, I, I quote a passage from the oh, Psalms yeah. that yeah, is yeah. just full of life. I mean, let me just... Yeah, look it up. That that's kind of been a little bit of a marching order thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, um, it's from Psalm ninety-two, um, twelve, starting at verse twelve. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Mm. The contrast of, of, of an old mature tree bearing fruit, mm-hmm. which is normally there is a decay that starts to happen, but there's this promise of fruitfulness. And there's also this picture of, life, youthful kind of vigor that is flowing through the same ancient tree that mm-hmm. we are not um, limited because God is not limited by um, where we are in life. Um, for those that are in the dark, that are struggling with empty nests, that are struggling with job losses, um, housing changes, mm-hmm. Um, maybe caregiving for aging parents or parents that are dying, mm-hmm. um, dealing with all of that, um, changes in relationships with kids, kids making choices that um, are scary and freak us out, all of, the, all of those things, there's fruitfulness that is being birthed in that um, mm-hmm. through the pruning, um, through the loss, through the even the the physical changes in our bodies. We are meant to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. Our body is not just a container. Um, that it's integral to being fruitful, mm-hmm. even when our the physical experience of fruitfulness through fertility, when we're younger, changes. Mm-hmm. That, that promise is there for all of us, no matter what age we are. So good. I agree. And that, that passage is really uh, pronounced to me because of all the hikes that we're taking as families. And I'm so aware of the trees mm-hmm. and the, <clears throat> the trees that fall down and their, their root system mm-hmm. versus the trees that endure the storm and, and stay upright. And then, and yet I've even had this, like, I'm not sure where I am in my theology of it yet, but that the trees eventually will fall like and and what happens to that fallen tree often it becomes the place for a child to run along that's right that's right and it continues to provide life yeah for the generations after it yeah and um so we are not we're not without hope but it's hard in the dark it It is. is confusing in the middle of a storm and that is our, the reality as well. That is the reality. I'm going to read um, also this passage from James, the perseverance passage, because so it's so fitting. Uh, the, it's James 1, and the little subtitle here is Trials and Maturity. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So verse two says, consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its full effect so that you may become mature and complete, lacking nothing. 
And so that, you know, sometimes that endurance is sometimes listed as perseverance. And that's where that hupomene, hypomene word is found. And there's teleos in there too. I, well, and I was wondering if that was where we also found that word. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Well, Michelle, I'm so grateful that you spent your time with us today and gave us perspective. I think much, much needed perspective. Well, I'm super honored to be here and I'm glad that we got to hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Especially uh, all the obstacles that I faced this morning, even getting on the call with you. So that was, that was kind of God to enable perseverance. So would you um, let us know again where everybody can find you the easiest? Um, I'm all over the internet. My name's Michelle Van Loon, and it's spelled just like it sounds, V-A-N-L-O-O-N. That is, um, so michellevanloon.com is my website that just kind of gives you a picture of the books that I've written and articles, links, all of that. Um, I also have a website for midlife women and men that um, I co-founded with another writer friend. And we highlight lots of different voices and perspectives um, and really like to cultivate um, younger, or or not younger necessarily, but beginning writers um, called the perennialgen.com. So... Uh, that's part of my um, stage five passing it on is is being able to celebrate the voices and experience of others. And I've got books that are available, you know, all through all the usual suspects, <laughs> Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Lifeway and, and I'm grateful. It's- that's so good. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're going to pick up a bunch of new readers from uh, our more to be tribe who are continually looking for biblical resources that that have lots of sage wisdom in it. So, um, Michelle, would you pray us out today? Yes, with great pleasure. Heavenly Father, I am grateful for this ministry that is designed to cultivate a love of your word and a, and a deep honesty about your work in the lives of the people that are connected to it. And I thank you for Lisa and in her heart to be able to serve, to coach, to strengthen your body in in ways that may not always happen in a local church, but I pray, Lord, that these, these seeds take root and scatter far beyond just the lives of the listeners into your body, your kingdom come, Lord, we pray. Keep us persevering until we come to completion. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Michelle, for joining us. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the More To Be podcast. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. This podcast is made possible through your financial support. To become a supporter, visit the More To Be shop and join the sisterhood. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.